Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. You know, sound is a a fascinating reality, the sound. Like right now I'm talking to you, you hear my voice. And obviously we have the assistance of an amplification system, a PA system to help to amplify it. But sound is fascinating because all it is is air. You can't see it, but it's obvious. And as this air is passing through what is called your vocal cords or a voice box, there's a scientific word for it. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but as the air is passing through this, these muscles, they begin to vibrate. And as, as we are the child, we learn how to control those muscles, and all of a sudden they form sounds. And so right now, sound is traveling through this room. There's, there's frequencies and waves that you can't see, but you can't deny it. So sound is fascinating. Uh, I know for me, I remember the first day I heard sound. I was four years old. Never heard sound before that. And I remember in my parents' car, I'm in the middle backseat, pre-seatbelt law. And I'm up, and I remember just pointing at everything. I'm like, what's, what's that? I had never heard sound before. You know, as a child, when we learn to make sound, all of a sudden we learn to shape words around it. We learn the phonetics of sound. We learn to put words together and ideas, and we begin to have conversations and dialogue because of the air that is coming through our vocal cords. It was fascinating. When you begin to put these words together, you get what we call language. You get a language. So we have the English language, the Spanish, German, French, Swahili, and the list goes on and on. Did you know there are 7,000 languages on earth today? Over 7,000 languages, which to me is mind-blowing because what it reveals to us, there are 7,000 solar systems of words to describe the human experience. The human experience is so dynamic, it takes at least 7,000 languages to describe it. Part of mastering your voice is you learn to add dimensions to words. You add emotion. You add tone. One word can have a variety of meaning depending on the tone you put on it or the emotion you put behind it. And not only that, your ability to understand a word is heard through your current emotion. This is evidence when you get a text message. And let's say it's from a person that you have a strained relationship with. And they send you a text message. You always read that text message through the strained reality of this dynamic in this relationship. I remember when my girls were little, they would read a text message they got from a friend. And they would read it with such emotion, emphaticness. I'm like, that's not actually what they're saying. Because you listen through your emotions. I remember Candace and I, we were dating at the time, and we had been together for a few months. And that particular summer, she was going to go to El Salvador. She was going to go to El Salvador and spend three months down there working at a a ministry. 
And we had just been together for a few months, and we were kind of in that spot in our relationship like this time and space, this distance is either going to help our relationship or it's not going to help. So I don't remember talking about it, but we both just kind of knew that when she goes, we'll find out if this relationship stands when she comes back. And so she went away, and so I stayed in Santa Cruz where we were at the time, and I'm just working all summer. And, and this was kind of pre-email days. Email was not standard. It was kind of this new novelty. Do you have to pay for an email? I mean, how did this work? I mean, I pay for a letter in the mail. Do I have to pay for an actual email? I remember asking all these questions because I didn't want to get billed at the end of my semester at college. Like, oh, you've sent 200 emails. That is 200 times 25 cents for a stamp. I didn't know. But so this is pre-email days. This is back in the day when we had answering machines. Did anybody remember answering machine? That little box that had a number that would flash. And so I had an answering machine. I lived in a house with a friend of mine, and we worked in the same place. And so we, we were together all summer. And I got this voice, this, not voicemail, this answering machine message from Candace. And she had called because we, had, we actually never talked once that summer because our schedule was so conflicting, so opposite. And she called, and she gave this nice long update. I'm doing good. What I've been doing, kind of give me the update. Well, at the very end of the message, she says, I love you, and then hangs up. And I'm like, whoa, I love you. What, what <laughs> did she mean that? Because we had never expressed, we have never used that language before. I had made a vow with a young boy. I would never tell someone I loved them unless I knew I was going to marry them. So those three words were like, she said she loved me. So I called my roommate up. I said, hey, come to the house now. I need you to listen to this voicemail with me or this message. I need to know, did she mean it or did it just a slip of the mouth? We listened to that message at least 20 times. <laughs> One time it was like, oh, she's so in love with me. I mean, I could just feel the emotion. And then the next time I'm like, no, it was pure accident. She did not mean that. So by the 20th time, we're like, I have no idea. I'm so confused. I don't know if we're still going to be together anymore. I mean, but that's the power of sound is your emotion, your tone. You can add layers to sound that comes out of your mouth. Sounds create environment. They create realities. They do something. You can be moved to action because of someone's words and sound. You can be moved to inaction because of someone's words and sound. You can be moved to tears if a story is told in the right way. And you could be moved to boredom the same way. So sound is powerful. Words are powerful. And although we can't see it, it's real. It's one of the most stunning dimensions in all of creation is the system of sound that God created. There's some questions I want you to ask yourself tonight as we go through this talk. What kind of frequency are you bringing to the spaces and places in your life? For those of you that need a less abstract question, I want you to ask this question, what is coming out of your mouth? Let's go another layer deeper. Do you know why what is coming out of your mouth? Do you know the thing that you say, do you know why it's coming out of your mouth? And do you know why you're saying what you're saying? If you watch what you think, you won't have to watch what you say. If you are aware of what you think, then you know what you're going to say. If you have your Bible or your app, I want you to get it open to 2 Chronicles 20. 
We're going to spend most of our time in there tonight, and it's a wonderful story in there, and I won't be able to, for time's sake, to read the whole thing. So I'll be telling you parts of it, but we're going to read a couple of verses to kind of set the stage, set the context. We're going to start in verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites came to war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazen Tamar. Verse 3, alarm. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Let's read in verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Every great story had a sequence of moments, a sequence of decisions. And oftentimes when we read a story or we watch a story, there's these great moments, but we often forget there's actually a moment that happened before these great moments. All of our favorite movies have these movies of greatness. Maybe it's a battle, it's a war, or it's this amazing point of victory. But before all of that, there's always a moment. For example, in Braveheart, William Wallace, before he became the William Wallace that we all fell in love with, his wife's throat was slit, and then he became William Wallace. There was a moment, that was the catalyst that started the story of William Wallace. Star Wars. There's not just a moment. There are so many catalytic moments that lead to the greater moments within the stories. Lord of the Rings, my goodness, talk about moment before the moments, before the battle, before the victories. The movies go on field of dreams. I mean, the moment when he realized he's hearing these voices telling me, if you build it, they will come. And then as we watch the movie, all of a sudden, the moment takes place. So before every great moment, there's always another moment. David would not be David if he didn't fight a lion and a bear. Nehemiah would never exist if he never wept over a city. Moses would not be Moses if a decree didn't go out to kill all the Hebrew boys when he was born. You see, there's moments before moments, and tonight I want to hone in on a moment that if this didn't happen, we wouldn't have this story. In fact, another story would occupy these pages, and it can be found in verse 3. Let's read it together again. Alarmed. Some of your translations say afraid. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So the context of this story is, is quite simple. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. What's Judah? Judah is a people, is a nation that were considered children of God. It was God's people. And Jehoshaphat is leading this, and he gets rumors, he gets news that armies are coming to kill him. Three, to be precise, they're coming to kill him. And I love what happened. Instead of trying to reason and figure out what to do, he does something quite shocking. He is afraid. What do we do in fear? We do all kinds of things. Every one of us does something in fear. Some of us run, some of us fight, and some of us freeze. But Jehoshaphat adds a fourth option. He seeks the face of God. 
Some of us are fleeing, some of us are fighting, and some of us are freezing. And Jehoshaphat said, there's another way to do this. When I'm afraid, I seek the face of God. I wonder how many times in our own lives we're not seeking the face of God when we're scared, when we're fighting something or something that's coming our way. But tonight I want you to recognize something dynamic is happening in this story where Jehoshaphat, he began to weep. He began to cry out to God. This is the moment I want you to hone in in your own life. Some of you right now have reports coming at you. You have situations coming at you. Some of you are in the middle of them right now. And my question to you tonight is, are you seeking God? Or are you trying to do it by yourself or figure it out on your own? And as we move more and more into a secular age, there's more and more conversations around help yourself. There's more conversations around, I can do this myself. There's a phrase going around in culture that I can manifest where I want to manifest. A secular dimension forces you to do it on your own. You're the one that can define everything in existence. You're the one that can solve all problems with human reasoning and human effort. And Jehoshaphat says, no, I seek the face of God. And tonight, I want to challenge each and every one of you. When you are in the face of a battle or scared or afraid, are you seeking God? This is what we're designed to do. Our faith, there's the dimension of our faith that realizes it only pursues God. Then as we move on to verse 5 and 13, Jehoshaphat called a fast. He seeks God. And verse 5 to roughly about verse 11, Jehoshaphat begins to gather the nation. And he begins to cry out. He begins to cry out to God and say, God, what's the deal? I'm going to paraphrase this for you. Say, God, what's the deal? The people that are coming to attack us are the same people you told my ancestors not to attack years ago. And they are repaying us by attacking us now. I don't know where this fits into theology at the moment. But what I've noticed throughout scripture, it's okay to remind God of your obedience and your faithfulness. Some of you need to go to God and I say, wait a minute here. I have been obedient. I have been faithful in this very area. And yet this is my point of attack. Now, we have to ask some questions. Did God need a reminder? I doubt it. Did God need to be told what he needs to do because he forgot? I doubt it. But something happens to a human when they begin to recognize their faithfulness and their obedience to God. Sometimes we think prayer to change God's heart. I think prayer actually changes you. So in some crazy, weird algorithm... When you remind God of your faithfulness and you remind him of your obedience, something in that moment shifts. And some of you tonight, you need to go, God, wait a second here. Why is this happening? I've been faithful. I've been obedient. There are things I didn't do because you told me not to do, and now here I am. And this is what Jehoshaphat does. He reminds God of his faithfulness and his obedience. It's a pretty powerful moment. Let's read in verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, 
son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, and the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Look at what he says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let's stop right there. So as he reminds God of his faithfulness and obedience, God begins to speak through a prophet. And a prophet stepped up and said, King Jehoshaphat, this battle is not yours, it is mine. What's intriguing about this to me, it reveals there are battles that you're supposed to fight. And then there are battles you're not supposed to fight. And you might ask, Eric, well, how do I know which one? That's where relationship with God comes into play. You begin to get a sense. There are battles in my life that I have fought and I'm still fighting. Then there are other battles I'm not fighting them because God said, I got this one. So I want to challenge you tonight in, these, in this conversation around fighting battles. Some of them are yours and some of them aren't. Your goal in your journey is to figure out which one it is. So he te- they tell Jehoshaphat, God tells Jehoshaphat, this one's not yours, this is mine. Now what happened next is fascinating. Jehoshaphat turned to the people and said, God's got this one. We're not supposed to do anything, so this is what we're going to do. Now, if I heard this battle is not yours, it's mine, my thought would be, well, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to go anywhere. But Jehoshaphat said, we're going to the battlefield. And there's no instruction from God to go to the battlefield. So there's this obvious co-laboring, obviously relationship in this dynamic. And so Jehoshaphat gathers his people, but he does something that's not military science. It's not taught in textbooks in the art of war. He puts his people that are good singers and have good voices, he puts them in front of the armed guards. And he begins to march to the battlefield. And he instructs them to sing this really simple song. I'm going to read it to you. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. This is not complex. This is basic. This didn't take very long to write. There was no songwriting retreat. This was simple. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. So he tells his people, he said, I want you to sing this song as we are marching to the battlefield. He wanted them to release a sound. He wanted them to lift up a sound that would come from the depth of who they are. So as they're marching to the battlefield, they're saying, give thanks to God. His mercy endures forever. They just repeat over and over, and they begin to erupt with sound. And the most oddest thing happened. The Lord set an ambush on the enemy. There's no description of what the ambush was. Was it another army? Was it a a Navy SEAL group? Or was it something in the unseen realm? We are left to our imagination. We are left to the high likelihood something in the unseen realm got involved. And the word ambush in this passage means to lie in wait. What does that tell us? God is waiting to destroy your enemies. Studio, listen to me tonight. There is an ambush waiting to destroy the very thing that's attacking you. So we have to ask the question, what ignites the ambush? 
Are you guys with me tonight? What, what ignites it? What catalyzes this ambush? I have, a, I have a hunch. It's your sound. It's your sound. It's your voice. It's your words. It's your emotion. It's your tone. Unleash the ambushers of heaven to destroy your enemies. And somehow Jehoshaphat knew this, and I've asked this question for years. How did Jehoshaphat, why did he send his people that could sing in front? Why did he even just keep them in the back end? He had no weapon, but he said, no, put them in the front. And I began to realize his nation is Judah. Judah means to praise. They were operating out of their identity. They were operating out of who they were. And as the people that say yes to Jesus, guess what? This is our identity. When we come here, and we're not fighting a battle necessarily in this room, but when we come into a space corporately or by yourself or in a group and you begin to sing, it isn't just token. It isn't just to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. It isn't just to sing the latest, coolest song that just came out. Or better yet, the old classic hymns that continue to still move the hearts of humanity. It isn't just for there's something about a sound. When it comes out of you, it sets the ambush. It sets the ambush so the enemies will be destroyed. So one thing we can learn from the story that we can deduct from this story is God is lying in wait. I know sometimes we think, if God really cared, he would just do it. If God really cared about my situation, he would just take care of it. Yes and no. Then he would have to take away choice. He would have to take away free will. But he chose to give free will and to give choice. And guess what? You get to choose to lift up a sound or not. Are you guys with me tonight? So tonight, I want to challenge you. There's a sound inside of you that needs to be released. There's a sound that erupts from you. Some of you need to go home tonight and let it out. Your family might look at you, but you ain't going to care when that ambush starts. You think I'm being funny. I'm not. This is a real dynamic here. There's something about sound that penetrates. Scriptures are full of revelation and layers of truth around this idea. When you lift up your voice, something is initiated. How do you think Jericho fell when they lifted up their sound? So I want to challenge you tonight as we conclude. So they go to the battlefield, lifting up this sound, an ambush. And all we know, based on what we've read, is the armies begin to turn on each other, and they eventually kill themselves off. So by the time Judah crushed the hill to see the battlefield, the entire enemy armies are completely destroyed. There was so much spoil, it took them three days to collect all the spoil from the battlefield. That's called... Awesome. That's called your inheritance is on the other side of your sound. What God has set for you is on the other side of your voice. Sometimes we can think things, we can feel things, but sometimes we have to say it. 
Sometimes we have to put words and let our vocal cords come alive and we release a sound. So tonight, as we wrap this up, so as they sought the Lord, the sound they made was informed by God. Tonight, I want you to ask, do you know why the sounds come out of your mouth? Do you know why you say what you say? If you don't know that, that's your assignment tonight. Why is fear coming out my mouth all the time? Why, why does anxiety come out of my mouth all the time? I've learned a lot of people speak in fear because they're more scared about the rejection or the idea of an expectation not happening, so they just prepare themselves by talking fearfully. We like to set the bar so low because we're protecting our emotions and our heart from being defeated again. And all I can say is this, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord and was informed by God and he acted. Sometimes we need to get back to just a very dogmatic, pragmatic approach. God said it, that's it. And keep all the filling stuff out of it and just get right back down to God and form Jehoshaphat. This is my battle. And Jehoshaphat said, done. All right, this is what we're doing. So today as we go from here, I want you to ask yourself some deep questions. When I am scared or I get a bad report, am I seeking God or am I going to my own human resources to try to solve something? And do I actually know what battle I'm supposed to fight and what battle God's fighting? A dimension of our faith is built on the reliance and surrender to God. If there's not a part of your life that is not reliant and fully surrendered to God, I don't know if that's faith. Our faith in God requires us to rely on him and to surrender ourselves to him. Why don't you stand? We're going to wrap this up. I want you tonight to determine what you want to fill the air with. What kind of sound do you want to fill? What kind of frequency do you want coming out of you? Determine what and who you want to inform you. Do you want fear to inform you? Or do you want God to inform you? Determine that tonight. Lastly but not leastly, determine to see a future of possibilities. Something happens when God informs you, you begin to see a future full of possibilities, endless possibilities. But when you let fear inform you, your future has no possibility. So if you feel hopeless, you feel discouraged, guess what? You need to be informed by God. You need to be informed by God because he's the one that creates the future of endless possibilities. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com. And you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.